and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. If you would grab a Bible and turn with me to Psalm 23. If you are using a Bible in your chair, that is page 483. Psalm 23, we just looked at uh, a few minutes ago, and I want us to, to look at it again as we um, open up our time together in the Word this morning. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Now if you'll... Keep something there um, and turn with me to Mark 6. Mark 6 is where we're going to spend the bulk of our time this morning. Beginning in verse 30. It's page 893 in uh, your pew Bibles there. If you're in Mark 6, say, "Uh uh-huh. All right, that's the bulk of you. All right. The apostles gathered around Jesus... And they reported to him all they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. For many people were coming and going, and they didn't even have time to eat. So they went away in the boat by themselves to a remote place. But many saw them leaving and recognized them, and they ran on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. When he went ashore... He saw a large crowd and had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And then he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples approached him and said, This place is deserted and it's already late. Send them away so that they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. And Jesus responds, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Should we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? And he asked them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he instructed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. And he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke the loaves and he kept giving them to his disciples to set before the people. And he also divided the two fish among them all and everyone ate and was satisfied. They picked up 12 baskets full of pieces of bread and fish. And now those who had eaten the loaves were 5,000 men. Father, we pray as we come to your word this morning that you would change us by your spirit, that you would make us like Jesus. 
Father, that you would teach us what it is to follow you, you, to serve you. Teach us to be neighbors who love our neighbors and to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. As we have walked through the book of Mark together, uh, we've seen story after story of Jesus doing miraculous signs and wonders, fulfilling the messianic prophecies found in the Old Testament. And with each passage, we get a more full picture of who Jesus really is. We've seen him heal blind people and, and lame people. We've seen him raise people from the dead. We've seen him speak to the winds and the waves and it completely stop its moving. We've even seen Jesus forgive sin and the Pharisees question, who is this man that he forgives sin? Only God can forgive sin. And in this passage this morning, I'm going to argue that we actually see Jesus revealed as the good shepherd from Psalm 23. As you read through Psalm 23, we get lots of imagery in this passage of Jesus fulfilling the role of the good shepherd. So let's, let's take a look at that real quick. Jesus showing himself to be the shepherd. He says first, in verse 31, "'Come away by yourselves.'" It's reminiscent of he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. The good shepherd calls us into rest. He calls us into a quiet place. And he does that with his disciples here. He says, come away by yourselves to a remote place that we might rest for a while. He also later in the passage has them sit down on green grass. It's interesting in verse 39 there that Mark and through the Holy Spirit would write green grass as if people didn't know what color grass was. He specifically uses green grass and I think he does that to remind us of Psalm 23 where it says, the shepherd will let me lie down in green pastures. Three times in this passage, it mentions where they are going is a deserted place, a wilderness, a remote place. The writer wants us to think and remember and realize what this terrain is like that they're going to. It's a remote place, a wilderness. And over and over in scripture, we see the wilderness symbolically uh, uh, showing us this place of temptation, even of sin. Israel failed in the wilderness. They were tempted to sin in the wilderness. They worshiped the golden calf there. They turned to idolatry instead of to Yahweh. Jesus goes into the desert for 40 days and there is tempted by Satan. And here these people have been led into the wilderness, this place of the enemy, in a sense. And what does Jesus do for them? He provides a feast in the wilderness. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He leads them into the wilderness and then gives them a feast. 
And then it says, after they ate, everyone ate and was satisfied. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. Jesus is the good shepherd. He has supplied everything these people need. He supplied everything that we need. So I think this passage is showing us this, this part of who Jesus is, this nature that he is the good shepherd, that he would care for his sheep. And it shows us two different people groups that he's shepherding here, and it shows us two different ways that he deals with them. And so, first of all, we want to look at how he shepherds his sheep, his sheep, and then we'll look at how he shepherds the crowd that's coming. So his sheep here are the apostles. They know him. He knows them. He calls them. So let's look at this passage together. Jesus first to his sheep, he calls them to rest. So the apostles in verse 30 gathered around Jesus and they reported to him all they had done and taught. Now we remember last week, we, we looked at the, the beheading of John the Baptist by King Herod who wanted to save face. He had made this promise to his stepdaughter that whatever she wanted, she could have. And she said, I want John the Baptist's head on a platter. And so uh, Herod grants that request a little reluctantly. But wanting to save his own reputation, he does it. But just before that, we had Jesus commissioning the apostles to go out in pairs. It says in in chapter 6, verse 12, they went out and preached that people should repent. And they drove out many demons, anointed many sick people with oil, and healed them. And so we see there in verse 12 and 13, they go and preach. They teach this good news of Jesus and... They do good deeds. They preach, they heal. They preach, they drive out demons. And so verse 30, we have kind of this follow-up to what has happened back in verse 12 and 13. The apostles come and they gather around Jesus and they start reporting to him all the things that they had done and taught. They had been busy about the mission that Jesus had given them. They were doing exactly what he sent them out to do. And they come back and they say, okay, here are all the things we've done. And hearing everything that they've done and taught Jesus says to them, come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. Something that struck me as Jesus speaks to his disciples here. He says, he doesn't say, it sounds like you've been super busy on the mission. So why don't you go find a quiet place by yourself and sit and rest a while. Maybe take a nap. Eat some good food. Enjoy a couple of days off. That's not what Jesus says to them. Actually, he says to them, come away by yourselves. He calls them to a rest that is together with him. He calls them to a rest that is together by yourselves. Come away with me by yourselves. 
Let's go rest for a while. For many people were coming and going, and they didn't even have time to eat. That's how busy these people were on ministry or on mission. Jesus is shepherding his apostles here into a lifestyle of discipleship. Those who follow Jesus are sent out to do the work of the ministry and are meant to come back together and rest with Jesus. I would argue that Jesus is kind of setting the stage for what our Sunday gatherings should look like. We are sent out on mission during the week from this place. We go with our family groups or by our, and we're to go to our jobs and our schools and our neighbors with the good news of Jesus and with the good deeds of Jesus. Teaching and doing in the name of Jesus. And each week, we come back together around Jesus to rest and to report all that we've done and taught. To celebrate the things that Jesus is doing in and through us. Now the apostles and Jesus, they get in a boat to go rest. And they're about to learn what Jesus means by rest. Maybe in your minds, as you come to this place on Sunday morning, you're like, man, I worked 40 plus hours this week. I ran the kids from one uh, soccer practice to baseball games to, to this and that, and we're super busy. I told my wife last night, uh, I, we need a spring break from our spring break. Um, and maybe that defines your spring break this week. You are more busy this week than you, than you were um, working last week. And, and in our minds, when we hear Jesus say, come away and rest, we think, I can go and sit. I'm going to go sit and enjoy myself and be entertained and served by others. And I think the disciples probably were thinking the same thing. Ah, oh, yes, Jesus, that sounds so good. We haven't been able to eat. We're so busy. Rest sounds great. We'd love to go away with you. And so they get into a boat. And they're like, oh, we're going. We're, we're going away, away. They're getting into a boat to go to a remote place to rest for a while. And so they're, they're ready. They're amped up to go rest. And so, verse 32, they went away in the boat by themselves to a remote place. But many saw them leaving and recognized them. And they ran on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. And when he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples approached him and they said, now this place is deserted. It's already late. Send these people away so they can go get themselves something to eat. And he says, you give them something to eat. 
And then almost with a little sarcasm, the apostles reply, uh, should we go buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to all these people? In other words, Jesus, we thought we were coming here to rest. We were supposed to be getting away from all of this ministry stuff. You called us to a remote place, and we were supposed to get to sit and maybe take a nap, enjoy some good food together, have some conversation with you. And now you want us, after all that we've already done and taught, you want us to provide food for these people. 200 denarii is, is about a year's wage. And so that's why I say they're being a little sarcastic. They're like, you want us to give everything we've earned in the last year to supply these people with some bread. They've done nothing for you. See all that we've been doing for you? And now you want us to do more? See, Jesus redefines what rest is here for his followers. He says, you feed them. Now remember, Jesus himself is emotionally grieved at this point. John the Baptist is his cousin. John the Baptist has just been beheaded. As the disciples gathered around Jesus to talk about all they had done and taught, in his mind and on his heart is, my cousin's dead. And the, the Matthew account of the same story tells us Jesus was grieved, and so he calls his disciples away to rest. So while the apostles are all concerned about all that they've done for Jesus, and now he's asking them to do more, Jesus is dealing with the death of a loved one. Not only is he his cousin, he's, he's the prophet that was prophesied in Isaiah and Malachi that was going to prepare the way of the Lord. John the Baptist is a, is a huge figure in the mind of Jesus, and he's lost him. So he's hurting as well. But what does Jesus do? He sees these people, and he has compassion on them. Because they are like sheep without a shepherd. See, for Jesus, rest is defined as serving others together. He says, come away together as a group and let's serve these people. Jesus isn't surprised that these people show up ahead of them. Jesus is the sovereign ruler of the universe. He says at one point to the Pharisees, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus is not unaware that all of these people are going to follow them as they leave to go to this remote place. But he is preparing to teach the apostles a lesson. That when he says, come away and rest, he means something very specific. We're going to rest together by serving together because there is rest in simply being with Jesus. He sent them out on their own, and now they come back together with him to rest and to serve. Jesus not only defines this rest, but he provides for it. 
when the disciples are all worried about how they're going to get enough food, Jesus, you really want us to give more all that we have so that we can feed these people? He says, well, just go see how much food you have already with us. And so they go and they look in verse 38. When they found out, they said, we have five loaves and we have two fish. And he instructed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the grass. And so they sit down in groups of hundreds and fifties. And he took the five loaves and the two fish and he looked up to heaven and he blessed and he broke them. And he kept giving them to his disciples to set before the people. And everyone ate and was satisfied. He takes the little bit that they had and he makes it enough. The disciples look around and go, I don't know how you're going to feed all of these thousands of people with five loaves and two fish. And Jesus says, bring it to me and I'll show you what I can do. And he breaks the loaves and he continues to break the loaves and he continues to break the loaves and he continues to hand out fish and more fish and more fish. And notice what he's doing here. He is not simply making food appear before the masses. He could have done it. He has the power. He could have spoken the word and bread would have appeared before every one of these groups. He could have made sure that it got distributed to all these people without the help of the apostles. But as he breaks the bread, he keeps handing it to the apostles to go give to the people. Ephesians 4 tells us, and Jesus has given to his church some prophets, some teachers, some evangelists, some pastors, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Jesus is showing what it is to be a shepherd. He's providing for the needs of the people and he's teaching his followers to serve the crowds. He's prepared them to do the work of the ministry and he's handing it off for them to do. And Jesus provides for the rest. No one has to go work for this food. No one has to go spend money for this food. It's reminiscent of Isaiah when he says, come buy milk without money. Come buy at no cost the bread. Jesus is going to provide it all at no cost to anyone there. So we see how he's shepherding the disciples. He's teaching them what it means to rest together. He's teaching them what it means to serve others and to love others. But at the same time, he's shepherding the crowd. These people who we have no reason to believe they belong to Jesus. They're followers in the sense that he's the next greatest sideshow that they want to watch and see what he's going to do next. They've heard about the healings. They've seen some of the miracles. And they're going to watch him like he's another circus in town. 
And they run ahead of him on foot. This is how desperately they want to get a glimpse of this guy and see what he's doing. And maybe you know people like this. And maybe you are one of these people who's constantly looking for the next greatest teaching. The next guy who says something that's more interesting than the last guy. The next podcast preacher that really gets me going. Or maybe it's the next self-help book. The next weight loss thing. Constantly chasing after something. Jesus sees these people who run from one thing to the next, who follow one teacher after the next. Some guy that'll give them a good show. And what does he say in verse 34? He saw the large crowd and had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They're lost. They're running every direction. They're chasing after something and they don't know what they need. And Jesus sees that and he has compassion on them. And so what does he do? He sits down and he teaches them. He doesn't start doing some miracles in the crowd so that everybody can watch He sits down and he starts teaching them many things about himself, about who he is. And then he provides for their physical needs. He provides them with food to eat. We're often tempted to do one or the other. As followers of Jesus, we're often tempted to give a cup of cool water and never mention Jesus' name. We're tempted to serve in homeless shelters and soup lines and pregnancy help centers, serve at Refuge for Women, serve at the Poor Ministry, serve in all these wonderful ministries that are an extension of what we do here in the Brazosport area. And all of those things are good and right, and we should do all of those things. But apart from the gospel, we are not meeting people's needs fully. Jesus teaches them and provides for their physical needs. This is what he does for the crowd. And he does it in a place where he's called his disciples to come away and rest. There's an argument within evangelical circles over what the church gathering on Sunday morning is and whom it's for. People will talk about, well, it's it's for mainly non-believers. We want to be sensitive to the unbelievers in the room. In other words, the crowd that's in the room. We want to be sensitive to them. We want to speak in language that they can understand. We want to do things that would make them comfortable in our midst. And there's, there's another crowd that would say the gathering is for believers. And we should not be concerned with unbelievers in our midst. Now, those are two polar ends. And I think we should be somewhere in the middle according to this text. Jesus is shepherding his followers, in the presence of people who are not yet followers of Jesus. And he's teaching them both. He's teaching his followers how to care for the crowds, how to disciple the crowd, and teaching them what it means to follow him. And he's teaching the crowds how to become followers of Jesus. 
So in the same way, on Sunday mornings, when we gather here as Grace Bible Church, if you're a member here, we gather as a family to worship Jesus. To thank him for the work that he's done in us throughout the week. But we don't gather here to just sit and be entertained or be given a show or to rest in that sense. We, we gather to rest in Jesus, to serve together, recognizing that there are people among us who don't yet know Jesus. And we're called to serve them with Jesus. So what is God calling us to as we look at this text? How do we obey this narrative it's really easy to look in, in the letters of Paul and others in the New Testament and get some straightforward, here's what you should do, because that's what they're about. They're letters to churches telling them what to do and how to live. But, but what can we gather from this text here? Many of you come to this gathering each week tired from all the work that you've done. You've worked 40 hours plus. You've done all of the Ubering of your children all over southern Brazoria County. You have laundry piled up at home. You're thinking about what you're going to eat for lunch today. You still haven't been to the grocery store yet, and a new week is beginning, and you've got meal planning to do. You're tired. And then Saturday night, you get that text from Planning Center that says, you're scheduled to work in kids tomorrow. And you're like, oh no, I forgot. And you may feel like the apostles in this passage. Really, Lord? I'm exhausted. I've been busy doing so many things this week. And maybe they were things that were beneficial to the mission. Maybe they were things that I was wasting my time. But I'm tired. And you really... You want me to give more? Jesus is saying to you, yeah, this is the good portion. See, in your weakness, I'm made strong. When you're at your most tired, when you're at your most weary, when you feel like you've got nothing left to give, that's when I show up and show off. In your lack, I offer abundant supply. So yeah, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. It may not be the rest that the world defines as staying in bed till 10 a.m., not going to the gathering. I'm going to give you real rest. Watch me provide for you in your need. Maybe you find yourself here this morning and you refuse to serve. You've been asked to serve in different areas, maybe in kids, on the greet team, whatever it might be. You're like, no, I don't have time for that. My week is so busy. I just need Sunday mornings to be a time when I can come and be fed the word and worship and sing songs. 
but I, I'm too tired to come in and do something. I want to just relax and be served. Maybe you're like, I've been in the church a long time. I've done my time. I've served. I did the kids for 20 years. I'm done with doing kids. I would challenge you to consider which group you're in. Are you one of the sheep or are you part of the crowd? The ones without a shepherd. Do you find yourself like these people looking for the best show in town? Do you bounce between churches trying to find the best kids ministry, the music that you like most, the preaching that really gets your juices going? And you're just a consumer, just like the crowd. You're just following the next best show. Maybe you're treating church like a theater where you come to consume entertainment. And I hope you know there is so much more. There is something much better that Jesus is offering to you. The church isn't a building where we gather to be entertained or to be served. The church is a family called by Jesus, bought by the blood of Jesus.